Hello and welcome to episode number 280 of the Armin Show podcast, where we have authors, scientists, creatives, there's a lot of intellectual discussion, and we can grow as people. On this episode, we have author of upcoming book released around the same time when this episode airs. The book's name is Exceptional, and the author is Dan Cable. Dan, welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. Good to chat with you. Very glad to have you on. You are, by the way, exceptional is wonderful. We want to be exceptional in this life. There's no time for anything else. You are a professor at London Business School. Before we get into the book, what do you profess and how did you get into that role? Yeah, almost everything that I profess has to do with putting more living into life. So kind of waking up to it. I think that's pretty relevant. And uh, so many people aren't. That's why I get so interested in what I do. You know, most people kind of see work as like a commute to the weekend, like get through it. And a lot of times that means they shut off. But then, you know, because we spend most of our time working, <laughs> that means we're shut off to life. <laughs> and uh, that, that's really bothersome for me. So that's why I do what I do. And I came through the psychology route. I was a psychology undergrad and I really uh, dug it. And then I just couldn't stop and kept getting educated and <laughs> became a professor. Psychology route usually involves liking people in some form or wanting to understand people. Is there an element of that to yourself? Of course. Yeah, that's the best thing. It's also really interesting how at some point I kind of realized that like economics is psychology and like so many of the things that we talk about as being the rational side like stock markets and you know it's all financials but then it all was kind of based on psychology so i think that that element of it is thrilling to me just to kind of think through why we do what we do mm -hmm. i'm also interested in that i noticed as i was reading through parts of your book you sort of wrote in a way that's similar to how i used to write i had a blog in many many years ago like 10 years ago and where you're trying to tell people things like I figured out this, this is a way to do things. This is how that person did it. It's like wanting mutual growth for others, which is a nice feature and not too common. Have you noticed you are in a minority in that category, wanting growth for others? <laughs> I don't think I can comment on whether I'm in the minority of wanting growth for others. I can tell you that because I work with so many leaders, that's kind of my real job. That's my day job is, trying to help leaders, you could say, get more out of people. I mean, that's the way that they kind of approach it. It's like, help me run my business more by getting better out of these people. And they're often seeing people not as growth machines, but as production machines. Yeah. So I would say that's actually kind of frustrating, but that might be where I do the most good. You know, because if I can hit them with some science about, here's a better solution where, people are more lit and therefore you get more ideas and more energy and more zest. Uh, that's like how I try to, that's what I'm selling. Hmm. That makes sense. They want some sort of application versus like, oh, I want just betterment, but how does this apply to me and what can we do with our company? That's yeah. Something. Yeah. Because you know, we're, it's very financially oriented and sort of outcome oriented. And so they're, they're looking at like, how do I get more stuff made cheaper? And sometimes that doesn't sound like it aligns with growth of the employees, mm -hmm. but it does. It really does. You just have to kind of show them why that linkage is there. This is a valuable thing. I have noticed linkage is very key. Maybe something is not valuable to you, 
why you find the way that your thing translates to value for others and suddenly now you're important to them as well. Yeah. Now, one thing, there's a workbook component to the book where there's a lot of like fill in what, how this works for you or what this means. Have you ever used some sort of workbook a long time ago that was valuable to you that made you want to add in that component or was it just out of your thoughts? So many things have helped me. Like, for instance, uh, Martin Seligman, who's a professor at UPenn, he wrote this book. Um, I think it's called Learned Optimism. I might be getting that a little bit wrong, but roughly that. And in this book, um, he had this thing where you're supposed to write about your best possible self 10 years from now. And I was just coming off a real hard episode. If you read the book, you saw, you saw I had this really bad thing with stage four lymphoma and it was really shocking and frightening but when it looked like i wasn't going to die i was sort of looking for how to put more into my life and i actually stumbled on this book anyway i filled that thing out and just two years ago i found it like i, I went through i found the actual thing and gosh if a lot of those things didn't come true I and mean, i had written about like my best possible self would be doing this kind of teaching and i pretty much got that and i wasn't before though and then like my best possible self would be doing this kind of research with these kind of people that really like lit me up and made me laugh a lot. And, you know, lo and behold, that actually is the case. And it's really interesting how, in my opinion, by really being clear about what it is you're trying to accomplish, by really trying to say, if everything went perfect, here's how that postcard of the future would look. It helps you structure all like the little decisions. Like even like today, it starts to help you like really target in toward that thing. Anyway, that's helped me a lot and other things too, of course, but like that's one example of a thing where it was almost shockingly useful. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the writing it down or just the channeling my brain to become more uh, focused on that. Mm -hmm. I noticed this theme across the book is going to where you're energized, where you don't feel like you're stagnating, there's the common theme throughout the book. This is very nice because I'm highly with that. What's the point? I don't like that concept. I like where we are doing, we do things where like, oh, I'm building something for myself. So there's, there's pride in it. I can uh, be glad about the steps along the way versus the opposite is you see a lot of people like not doing that and then having to cope with this and then cope with that and manage that part. And then you can, you can almost see them like not there. So I like that part and we need to connect with people are that way as well they're alive they're radiating they're saying oh well i want to do this tomorrow i will have done this today so tomorrow will be a little bit better and then i'll reach out to that there's more do you feel like very alive in what you do yeah i really do i've i'm pretty lucky as well i try to always stay really focused on how in a hundred ways um i've just been kind of got this tailwinds do you ever hear about the headwinds and the tailwinds like the headwinds are like what they're blowing you in your face and it feels like you're fighting against it. And sometimes they seem prevalent because like, it's like when you're riding your bike, and it's pushing in your face, it's like annoying, but you forget like when you have a tailwind and everything's going really well, you forget to say thanks. <laughs> so in my life, I feel like I have a lot of tailwind, probably most of which I didn't actually earn, but it has landed me in a place where I pretty much am doing what lights me up. So yeah, I mean, the days are really good. This is momentum. This is a wonderful momentum pushing us from behind. And when we do things, we like that momentum builds. 
and then external energy that's not positive, we just disregard it. It becomes a lot easier to be resilient to it. You know, it's there, but you don't act like it's dis, like disabling. It's mm -hmm. just there, and of course it's there. We all have to work hard, but yeah, that's a, pretty, that's a pretty important point. It really goes to your earlier point, which is when you are energized, you sort of have this, um, <laughs> literally the emotion is called zest, Z-E-S-T, but it's like this emotion that means life is like um, you get to do it. It's like, it's like this gift that you get to open as opposed to this hassle that you just got to like get through. And boy, it's really hard to have resilience when life feels like a hassle. Yes, I will say, I just made me think of the rapper. He's not here, but the Nipsey Hustle that was popular. And I was he, just listening to Nipsey this morning. Okay, that's funny. <laughs> he had mentioned that I checked. That's a wonderful. <laughs> that's great. Look, these links are are strong. There's very. I have two points in relation to this. Now that you mentioned that, those who are of a certain mindset, which I would still call the minority, that makes sense that that was the case. Let's say that random link or another one. There's not that many things that are in the what I would call nice space, Ooh. and so it's. Some people would say, oh, that's a coincidence. There's very few things in this category. Second, uh, he had one time talked about how when he would have to do something, he said, I don't have to do it. I get to do this. He actually yeah. mentioned the difference between that. It's the exact same thing you just said. If he heard yeah. you say that, he probably would have read your book, frankly. He would read some books and he wrote about them, uh, talked about reading them, and yours fits in line with what there's things that make sense and it didn't matter if you were a dancer or a rapper or an attorney they just make sense for your well-being as a person yeah. and if you don't follow those things well then you don't have zest or oomph i used to call it oomph for like energy or something like that how how are some ways people can build their own zest if they don't have what maybe you and i just flourish with yeah and there's been times i haven't mm -hmm. there's been times that i've been kind of an entitled dweeb pretty I don't really want to go in. That's not our point right now. But I mean, I've kind of been through a certain part of my life where I don't think I was so zesty. And I also felt that the world owed me a lot more. So it was like a lose-lose. <laughs> it was like the worst of both worlds. <laughs> right. But to answer your better question, uh, which is what do you do? I think I've got at least two things. I mean, the book's full of stuff, but here's the big ones. Number one is you get, apparently, based on a lot of evidence, a lot of energy by writing out to people and in your social network, but I mean like family, friends, old neighbors you kept in touch with, maybe like a boss from five years ago, maybe a boss from today, and you just try to write down a story of when you've seen them make a really good impact, like when they've really done something that was unique to, to them, like something like a signature strength, but then it had this really good impact and you just show them in a story. Stories are really important to human brains. A lot of us know that now, but you tell like a little story about here's this thing, um, this context that I saw you, and then here's this thing you did, here's how you behaved, and then here's the impact that it had. I really appreciate that. It's, here's what it's like. It's almost like telling them a eulogy before they're dead. That's essentially like the point there. It's just like, why wait for that? Do that now. And there's really good evidence that that's weird, no, not many people do it, but it energizes people and it makes them happier. It makes them more fulfilled. And so I do that quite a bit now. And it is quite interesting. It gets you out of your brain and it helps you sort of create, you create an impact by helping other people understand their impact. So it's quite reciprocal. 
So that's one thing that I really think is actually pretty important. Um, and then the second thing I, I believe is really important is when you start to understand what it is about you that's kind of unique, that like what's unique that you can bring to the party, when you craft your life or your work around those things, and I don't know why this is the case, but the evidence is really strong, you get zest. Sometimes I even think, I'm not religious at all, but sometimes I think about that phrase that says, like, the whole point in life is to figure out what your gifts are and then give them away. And I think that if you take that frame on in a non-religious way, but you just say, there's stuff that I'm kind of naturally good at doing and I like doing, if you, it just sounds so simple, <laughs> but if you just kind of craft what you do around that, life kind of gives you all this energy. And, and it comes in the form of dopamine. I mean, it's a drug, right? But it's legal, it's free. <laughs> you can get it. So, it can be acquired easily. Yeah, you can acquire it from within, intrinsically. Mm -hmm. One thing that came to mind when you were describing that, there's a key point I want to add there that you have to say the eulogy concept, that you describe someone's details uh, before they're gone as though if they were gone, this is the key things. That would be, quote, weird because the many things that are labeled weird is sort of like you've made me uncomfortable. You're reaching too much in life. You're doing more than me. I don't do that much. So because I don't want to rise or add to my, it's, it's out of my reach, I will then label that weird or something. But I think internally they'd be like i'd like to also join in that capacity so not giving weight to the weird might be a valuable element so that you don't get put in a little box is no good because the people in boxes what do you think about this concept i've always thought of this the things that people most should be saying are the things you never hear like someone feels um sad or they feel lonely or they feel boxed in all the most important things in life you never hear that actually publicly said because if they started saying that and talking about it, it'd be cleared up within, you know, days, months, weeks. <laughs> and then the things you hear is things that have nothing to do with their internal well-being in a way. What are your thoughts on that? Well, one, one thing I would just respond to is the whole notion of strange and weird in these words. My first book was called Change to Strange. And the whole point was don't run from the strange, really embrace it because that's also another word for like unique. It's another work for like valuable, you know, it's, it's in the business world, you definitely want to be unique. And I think it's the same in the sort of, in your social network, there can be unique things that you bring that people really value about you. But if you hide them away under a box and you only do the plain vanilla normal thing, you're not only hiding your fabric, you're like hiding what makes you you, you're sort of not, well, you're not bringing your potential in a sense, you're, you're not giving what you're capable of, and therefore the whole group suffers. You're, you can't even say the world suffers, and that's getting pretty macro, but you know, you've got this thing to give, and if you're kind of at half-mast, and you're kind of, what I did, again, um, kind of like flying on autopilot. It's like, you sort of get enough things set up that you don't need to really push very hard anymore, so you just flick it to autopilot, and just coast through the years, and I did that for a while. I think a lot of people end up doing that. And then sometimes you get smacked back into life. <laughs> you get shaken up and you're like, holy shit, I've been doing it wrong. <laughs> so I think uh, in the book, I call that post-traumatic growth. And I think that that's actually something that happened to me. And it's not just me, it happens to like 40% of people that get really shitty news. It ends up 
ironically helping them quite a bit. I'm not saying you'd want to go out and like get bad news all the time, but I am saying that it can be a jolt that kind of wakes you up again. Mm -hmm. We are here to be woken up. I, I think about like punctuated equilibrium when they would talk about evolution. There's moments suddenly boom, and then you're like, wait, oh, what? But we as people can uh, presuppose that by instead of getting so far away from reality that it slams us, we just stick with reality more often, which is not the preferred way. The autopilot is the easy way to just blend right into it. But if we presuppose that we're ahead of, we can be above or outside of the equilibrium change that'll happen to us, and then we're acting versus reacting. Classic there. One thing you had mentioned, which I like, is attaching to our different, oh, another thing related to what you just said is that if we don't support our own thing, it's like we're insulting that, that little element of ourselves. So other people don't support really it, and we're not life. supporting it. Now, like everybody teamed up to not support an element of us, of course we're gonna feel bad <laughs> after that, right? Highlight reel. You have discussed having a highlight reel and positive things about us to associate with or write about. How valuable is that for our own self? Do you do any sort of like compilation at the end of the year or how might you do a highlight reel of your own? Yeah, I started a company to do this in one way. It's not the only way to do it. Let me start by talking about the non-company way. What we've learned is that if you give people these insights and stories about them at their best, sometimes they've made an impact, it creates something like a norm of reciprocity where then they might be very interested in writing one to you. And if you got 10 friends to say, when have you seen me at my best? Or like, how do you perceive me? when I make my best impact, you can compile those and it becomes like a sport athlete's highlight reel. Like I actually get really excited about this element of it because like 92% of Olympic athletes have highlight reels of them doing their best thing at their best. And they watch them before the matches to improve how they think of their own behaviors to make it more likely they'll act that way again. And like there's a whole neuroscience under this and like they do that. We can all do that. It just, again, you don't have to wait till somebody dies to give me eulogy. You don't have to be an athlete to play at the world-class level. And so I just think taking it a little more seriously and saying, listen, there's certain things that I'm at the world-class and it might not be a lot, but there's a couple of them. Let me try to drill down into what those are and then create a, I think it was like a selection of memories or like a collection of stories of times I have really reached my potential, or we never reach our potential, but we kind of get increasingly close to it, like an asymptote. Like we sort of get to the point where we're in flow, we're using the skills that we're sort of both best able to use, we're creating the impact that others really notice and respond to. If we get close to that, and you can see, here's 10, 15, 20 times when I've been there, you start to look for themes. And then that's what I actually do is I help people trace those themes and then say, well, how do I help you craft your job and your life around those themes? And I know, again, it sounds so obvious, but it's actually like common sense that's not very common. You know, it's like obvious once you do it, but before you've done it, it's very easy to like spend a lot of your time doing what you think you ought to do instead of the things that really light us up. So I'm a big fan of these highlight reels, in part because of the neuroscience, but in part because it also just um, energizes us. Yeah. This is a key point. This obvious or common sense concept 
is I have an analogy to it. Lately, I've been walking in different neighborhoods in Los Angeles that I never went to. I just didn't go. And now every time I go, right after I do it, I'm like, this was here the whole time? Every single time. And there's, there's loads of them. I haven't even touched an, a good chunk of them. Same thing with the obvious or common sense. I think the obvious or common sense in 2020 is maybe like clicking like on something or scrolling. That's the obvious. That the other stuff that you're talking about that sounds obvious is not. I don't think if nobody's yeah. if nobody's doing it, it's in a separate. The obvious is like, oh, I saw a post and I got jealous, or <laughs> these simple, you know, these simple things that that's the obvious common sense, right? That's funny. I'm we have to keep envious and angry. <laughs> we're giving the wrong labels what to obvious common sense. <laughs> what are we doing? But we should label the things that are common all day long as that's the common sense or obvious and be a little bit, okay, that can be disappointing or whatnot. And then the things that they might seem simple and they're not simple. If they were so simple, then yeah. we'd be looking at it all, all over the place at the key point. One thing I want to add in as far as like a meta looking at ourselves, people like yourself and myself are the one nice feature that came to my mind is it's almost not even so much what we're saying, it's what we represent as our being, like a heightened energy, a momentum, a proactive nature. It, almost words, which are good, I like words, I'm very text-based too, but there's something too, which makes sense. When you go to represent or speak to companies or whoever, it's you who is the, there's only so much that a you know book or something can do. And then connection to you is the key because there's not that many of a you or myself. And yeah. so it makes a big difference versus just the words. Try to, that's such a good point. That's sometimes I get really frustrated, you know, cause sometimes I get really frustrated that like, for example, a lot of the leaders that I'm speaking with think that what I'm talking about is not very scientific even though it's based on evidence and even though it's in different cultures and in our minds, it is science. Um, it's like they expect it to be cynical rather than hopeful. And as soon as you go down this like hopeful path of like, well, no, you can do things that make the people happier and the company do better. It's like they're looking for the trick. And so sometimes that actually is like a little, de not depressing, but it like it makes me wonder if this is the best use of my time. But then let's say you have a room of like 20 people or 30 people, it's really only two or three that are bad like that. But you might have like 15 that walk out of there refreshed and kind of touched and even inspired. I mean, a really good day, they might even be inspired. And then you have to kind of focus on that because, you know, those 10 or 15 or 20 people, they might all lead 20 or 40 or 100 people. So anyway, I'm kind of responding to what you're saying in terms of we have to probably look hard at how we can create leverage even though our mind might be drawn to the, the negative stuff or like why we should quit or something like that. Do you have that, by the way? Is that, <laughs> is that something you sometimes wonder, like how to get more leverage into these ideas? Yes, I think, so I'm, we're on the same page here. And I always think about that. This is something I've said for many years. If I uh, am directly connecting with somebody or relating with them, they have had, frustrating moments or they don't uh, blend in easily guaranteed i'm not saying i'm actually less on the frustrated nature because i disregard it. i'm just like you all don't get it watch out so i have a little bit of that punchy nature um but i know that anybody i've gotten along well with in my life 
they don't just casually go through the day with people. They just nobody I've ever gotten along with. It's like smoothly making it through our society. But I like to bring the to those people who I feel like are my people that punchy nature of like, well, disregard the whatever they're whatever they're sending at you. Because all the people of my past that said little comments, I found out they were talking to themselves through me about their things they didn't believe in. For every single example, it's like you weren't even talking to me. You're telling through me that you're not good enough. So I couldn't connect with it. And then as far as the question you had just said, I don't know if I just answered it. I got on my own tangent. Oh, kind of. I mean, <laughs> it has to do with like how often we try to step up our game or something like that. For me anyway. Like, let me, let me tell you something that I've experienced, and then you kind of can ask me questions yes. if you find it compelling. Yes. Okay, so I'm a big fan of playing to your strengths and trying to increase your impact through your strengths. I believe in that deeply. A lot of times people push back and say, oh, that's coasting. That's like, that's easy. What you really need to do is like find what's bad about you or your limitations and then work on those, you know? And, and it's just an interesting thing because sometimes I think, yeah, if you had, had unlimited time, and you had like literally infinite time, then you could like somehow improve all your limitations or everything was a strength. But because you don't have all the time in the world, you have very, very limited time. The question for me is, how do you make your best impact in that little bit of time, shoring up what you suck at, or really trying to play harder to your strengths? Like not coasting, but how do you use them to make the best, biggest impact? So anyway, that's something that I, um, I try to process a lot, both in terms of like helping other people understand that that's a misnomer, but also in my own world, even right now, to be honest, even with you speaking right now, I'm just trying to think about like, if you have 10 hours that you're really gonna work in a day, how do you make the best impact in those 10 hours or something like that? I wondered like if you'd thought about that because you have this podcast and you probably have all these other things, like. How often do we revisit our impact and say, how would I grow it bigger? Mm -hmm. On that related point, I would say it's sort of like having a frog and teaching them good, you know, swimming and then having a fish and teaching a good, like it's, you could, I guess, but it's, it seems like such a non-use of their being is way off. Right. And we have our certain, like we're both energized. If you put myself and yourself and now tomorrow, we are accountants. I don't know why that's the default thing, but might be a huge loss to humanity. Not that it's not a relevant field, but our suddenly our value in variety or branching out or connections or growth, it doesn't apply in that aspect. And now we're negated completely. That's no fun. And We'd then, be like half-assed accountants. You know <laughs> what I mean? We can, we can work until we die and still be just about average. Like at best, we just, just about average. <laughs> right. And I've thought about this concept. All the people would know something was off too. They'd always be like, you shouldn't even be an accountant. They wouldn't say you should be this amazing thing because people don't generally put you up there. Yeah. But they know this doesn't fit. They just know something was off. Yeah. It's funny. <laughs> You know, yes, we're on the same, it's a nice feature here. It's not often that uh, it's on my plane of, I used to write a personal development site, 2008, 9, 10, 11, where I wrote about productivity and boldness and efficiency. And I let that site go at that time. And I went to law school, which didn't fit me at all in the category I'm describing. But uh, I feel like 
the material in your book and what you're saying is along the lines of the way I naturally would say things as well. Can hey, can I ask you, um, the title, I really been thinking a lot about the title because the way I meant it yes. was like, find your own version of exceptional and become it. But sometimes people are acting like it's a bit arrogant. Like we should be exceptional. <laughs> We should be exceptional relative to everyone else. Like, you should be exceptional. And I didn't really want it to be that way. <laughs> this, this is where I come in, and I feel like this is my category, where to people such as yourself, and then I add in the punch factor that is like, is, I, I like to, I'll take the punches kind of thing. No, I don't know what they're saying. When I read it, here's how I saw it. Exceptional. Like being someone that stands out is notable. Uh, you know them. They're doing. It's 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 great. It's crisp. That's wonderful. Build your own. Whoever saw that, I, I'm just gonna put it out there. It says something more about them. This when people say things, they're just describing themselves. Every time I've gotten feedback, unless it was from someone like a professor Dan Cable, who is at the same energy level and doing, I'm not gonna give it that much weight. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you. I was able to bring that up because that's a key point. It's like, who is giving the feedback? And it's not an attack, but they would agree with it too. Not today. The thing is, by the time 20 years from now, they, you know, came back on the thing they're saying, it's mm -hmm. too late. You didn't do the thing. And that's a sad story. So I like to think about that, like, because all of them 10 years later show up and now they're negating what they said. Now, if you didn't do the thing, you didn't do it. And they're sorry that they said anything. It's just a big emptiness. That's not, that's not great. I just got canceled for nothing, absolutely, because 10 years later, you cancel. I actually was just stopped in my tracks. That's a drain. You're right. That's not inspiring. <laughs> um, uh, one thing, well, well, two things I want to check. One, has there been any key people who have uh, been inspirational to you over the years? Is there any names that come to mind? So many. So many. I'm just going to name one right now. Um, and actually, finally, just last year, no, it was actually January, I wrote him this. His name is Rick Jacobs. And when I was an undergrad at Penn State University, he was a psychology professor. I didn't know I wanted to be a psychologist, but I took this class with him and he just acted in such a way, very exceptional, that I was like, hmm, that's an interesting person. You know, just the way he exudes and the way he teaches and his knowledge base and so i went to him and said i'm pretty into this and he basically this is so weird but even as an undergraduate student he kind of made me into a phd student he let me like hang out with the phd students and like go gather data and he like took me on data gathering sites and he basically taught me what i wanted to do you could you could kind of say it that seriously and it got to the point where when i was a senior i went to him and said how do i get your job like, how do I get your life? <laughs> and he just told me. He actually told me, like, okay, you're like these tasks, you go do this, we'll get you into a school, you know. And uh, he was just such a good mentor that way because he showed me the path to get to the thing that I, I sort of knew I wanted. I, I, I thought I could do what he did, but I wouldn't have known how to get there, like the tactical, practical steps. So, hey, Rick Jacobs. <laughs> that is cool. He gave some the steps. That's I nice. I just wrote to him. I just wrote to him not too long ago, within six months, and I really shocked him. He said it made him cry. <laughs> That's exactly where the communication should have been.
when I go to some of the locations I go walk to and it's like, this was here the whole time and oh, I figured out this and oh, this is what these, and it's like, suddenly you're like, I had to be this exactly what I should have done. Same thing with your email. Sometimes you send a message to the right person or in the right way that means something yeah. to you and you're like, there was nowhere else so I could have been right there. That's right. That's right. And that That's really exactly kind right. of folds back to the, where we were even just whatever, 20 minutes ago. That's that thing that we all can do if we want to. Like we all have somebody like that. You know, I have lots of people like that. So if you just write them and just say, here's the thing you did. And I don't know if I ever told you, but it really was important to me for these reasons. It takes like 20 minutes, maybe 10 minutes. It's just not a lot of effort, but we mostly don't do it. You know, instead, like, but to your point, we like look through Twitter and like tree things. <laughs> scroll, 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 like, 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 and tweet something inane, and then. <laughs> it's funny. That's the common sense. That's the obvious. That's the that's the whatever that we have in the current time, or like uh, some sort of complaint. If we do the opposite of that, frankly, life is easy. You just do the opposite of most of what you look at, and that would be just enough to do well, I think. One thing I always like to check in breath of conclusion is, what is a message you would have for all people of the planet that you'd want them to know? And it could be in relation to the book's concept. If you had a megaphone to all people on the planet, what is the message you would describe to them in a few sentences? One thing I'm going to, this is not exactly in the book, it's in there, but it's not, it's just sprinkled in. It's this idea that learning often feels like failure in the middle. That's something I'm really working on in my own life right now is when you have to start doing something new, like a lot of us are working from home. I'm just like getting back to the office now. A lot of the ways, for example, the way I'm teaching now, I have to do it digitally and it just isn't that good at the beginning. You know, like I've done 12 now. I think I'm getting okay now, but I got to say the first three, my, literally my throat was dry and I was like sweating, literally sweating a lot. And I, I felt like I wasn't doing it right. And I, off, I really felt apologetic because I'm pretty good at teaching, but not this way. And so I almost wanted to like reach through and tell them like, I'm better than this actually, like this isn't me. Anyway, it just feels like you're messing everything up for a while, but then you just have to struggle through that. You have to like, it literally developed the brain and the synapses. You have to sort of do that whole neuroplasticity thing and basically make your brain adapt. But it feel the feeling of it sucks. And, and the implication of that feeling is go back. Go back to what's comfortable. Go back to the way it used to work. Go, you know, resist. That, that's the feeling. But if you succumb to that feeling, you do not work through it to get to like confidence in a new, better way. And then, anyway, in my own life, that's something I'm working on, but there's a whole evidence behind that. And I bet you know all about it, but Carol Dweck and mindset and growth mindset, it's almost like a magic little way of thinking. I don't really believe in magic, but it's like a magic way of thinking, which is like the same feeling you can recode as like getting better and not failing. But you have to work pretty intently at that, at least I, have to work with a fair amount of intensity to remember that when it feels like I'm freaking failing. Because <laughs> that's like a lion, it's like shredding me. <laughs> and then it's being like, oh no, this is just getting stronger. <laughs> yeah. This is a key point. What can look like little bits of failure is actually you pushing beyond borders or stress and getting to more of you. Yep. Bigger picture failure is it would be not doing anything in your element. And that's, that's just sad. 
Bigger picture failure to me is like, well, almost to me, you like die when you're 40, but you don't get carted to the graveyard till you're 80. And like all that time in between is just lost freaking potential. You know? <laughs> that to me is like the biggest loss, really. I'm fully with that. I've mentioned similar to that. And we don't, I won't even give weight to that side of the world. We're on the other side where we do great. And we make well, at least we have fun i don't even know we do great but we are we are having some fun that that counts for something mm -hmm. this is true i want to give a shout out to the people who have good energy are trying to pass it on have a good mindset that can even be used in a business context from that end and who are not or becoming less apologetic about any of their nature because the cool things that make us a little bit different or we would do a different thing that way or we produce it a little bit, our YouTube vlog would be different than somebody else's YouTube vlog or our book would be, those are our cool things. Without that, well, all of your book would be the same. That's a nice feature and I am glad for such people. Professor Dan Cable, I would like to thank you for having been on this episode of The Wonderful Show. Thank you so much for you know getting me on here and asking good questions and being energized. It was fun the cool people and we are out.